Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everybody, to Destination Draft Day, and then Destination is also 2021, as this is our last episode of the year. 2020 is over, and things are getting a lot clearer now when it comes to the NFL Draft, so we'll get into that. But of course, got to welcome in my co-host, Michael Rockman, and of course, Michael, as always, we got Brian with us here. We were on our last Friday, so Brian's here on a Monday. And there's a lot for us to talk about as far as college football and NFL is concerned. Yeah, we take a little vacation, and obviously we have really missed out on a lot of new football action. So we're excited to get started, and we'll see what else this year has in store for us. No doubt about it. So we'll start with the big news as far as this show is concerned, and that is that the Jets locked up the number two pick. Sorry, Brian. Jaguars are going to get that number one pick now. Trevor Lawrence, unless he, for some reason, decides to go back to school and turn off, turn away a lot of money, he'll be playing in Jacksonville. And there's also rumors that maybe Urban Meyer will be the head coach. We'll see. Um, Fitzgerald up with uh, – Northwestern is also getting a lot of calls here, it seems like, Pat Fitzgerald. But, Brian, I guess from your perspective first as a Jets fan, I mean, it's basically status quo, but what are you thinking and hoping that the franchise does here in the, in the spring? Yeah, nothing really changed from last week to this week. Uh, it would have required Jacksonville to lose an, to win another game, I'm sorry, for the Jets to get back into the number one pick after what happened against the Rams. So it was pretty much already – Already done. Uh, yeah, if you're the Jets, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a GM. I have a whole rant about drafting quarterbacks when you shouldn't uh, in the first round. Uh, I, if, the, if the guy's not named Lawrence, I'm trading. I mean, they're, I mean, they're taking Sewell from Oregon and solidifying the offensive line, or I'm trading that pick, that pick back for a team that wants to jump up and take whichever quarterback you want to rank number two, because it's actually not very clear. Justin Fields has seemingly played himself out of that position. Uh, and uh, yeah, if it were me, I'd be looking to trade back or take take the next best available player, which I guess would be Sewell. Right, Michael? 
Yeah, I'd say that's definitely the consensus top player after T-Law, uh, looking at these guys. But honestly, if I'm looking at it from a perspective of the Jets, the hardest thing to weigh is are you taking a risk on a new rookie QB that you have five years with or are you trying to kind of rebuild Darnold? And I know you haven't really said, like, oh, they have to stick with Darnold. Maybe there's other options that they could go with. But I feel like in this situation, when you have that number two pick, if you feel like the QB position is something that you're still risking, then it's worth pursuing. And right now, I mean, I love Darnold. I'm a big believer in him, and I hope that he goes to a new team. But I think for the Jets, it's in their best interest to move on and just draft whatever QB prospect they love most. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sorry, Nick. I guess I'll just go into my my rant. I even for teams that need quarterbacks, and you can put Jet the Jets into that category. Uh, I don't see the point in just taking quarterbacks for the sake of taking quarterbacks. The last five drafts, fifteen quarterbacks have been taken in the first round. Less than half of those, five, six maybe seven have turned out to at this point be franchise quarterbacks or be worth that pick. It goes to show GMs feel pressure to take quarterbacks anytime they need one so that fans and media won't bash them for not taking them. And it's a seemingly safe pick to just go take a quarterback when you need one. And a lot of times it either ends up being a bad pick, like someone like Dwayne Haskins who's just a bad pick, or you end up making a pick without filling out the personnel infrastructure on the rest of the team to make that guy successful. It is no surprise that the quarterbacks you see being successful right from the jump have that's Murray, Lamar, Josh Allen, Baker, Watson. They had players around them, personnel around them, and a system around them that suited their strengths. And we can say that Sam Darnold stinks, and a lot of the time he does stink. But what also can't be debated is that he's never had a coach or a team around him that could help him succeed. There's only a certain amount of guys that are Patrick Mahomes that you could put him anywhere in any situation, and they're probably going to light it up because they're that damn good. Most right. guys aren't like that. You have to put something around guys. And I, I, the, a team like the Jets has so many holes that I'm not jumping at Fields or Lance or whoever, just because they need a quarterback when they still have all these other holes. Because you could put prime Peyton Manning on the Jets with a bad offensive line, and he's not going to be that good, you know. Like, and and I, I think I think the Jets, based on what you're saying, should keep Donald. I mean, are they really going to get much of an upgrade in this well, draft? And also, then you're going to be down a rabbit hole of okay, now we got to wait another three or four years to get competitive again. At least you got somebody in here who's going to be a veteran at this point and he's shown some promise the last two weeks yeah look if it was me i would not because nick you've talked about it on this show before it's crazy that you have to guarantee a quarterback's fifth year option before their fourth year it's absolutely insane so they have to you have to do it by by the middle of march if i were the jets i would not pick up darnold's fifth year option for 23 million dollars he hasn't deserved it but based on the position they're in now they don't have the number one pick to go get Lawrence, who is the clear guy, then I would, the situation that they're in is to bring him to play, play him next year while they're still filling out holes and trying to make the team better. Unless you're going to go sign a veteran sort of stopgap quarterback, which you can also do. So there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks available um, just because I think there's going to be a lot of shifting this year. 
I think we might see the end of Stafford in Detroit. Matt Ryan could be on the move. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going back to New England unless they get Andrew Luck. Jacoby Brissett could be available. Philip Rivers is probably going to be available. And the guy that, if I'm any of these teams, especially if, as a Giants fan, who I'd want them to pick up, and I think it's good. You put it, you can put him as the backup to start. I'd be wanting to sign Mitchell Trubisky. I think there's still untapped potential there. He gets a bad rap, but look at what the Bears' offense has been able to do with him as the quarterback. I think they're like 23-13 and 13 in his career, which, sure, I mean, he's not putting the numbers up that Watson and Mahomes did, so that's a bad mispick there. But if you got a guy like that who could win, it kind of reminds me of Vince Young. He used to get a bad rep in the NFL, but all the guy did was win games. So if I'm any of those teams and I'm in a situation like the Jets – are where I don't know what's going on. I don't really love any of these quarterbacks because there's a huge drop-off from Wilson, from uh, Lawrence down to the rest of the quarterbacks. Although I do like Wilson uh, at BYU. I think he should stay in school, though, and be the QB1 next year. But I'm, I don't want to go through this all again with Justin Fields or Lance or trying to get somebody late in the first round who's a reach, like a la Paxton Lynch. A guy like Trubisky, to me, has a lot of more upside there because – a lot of teams are going to go for the veteran stopgap. Why not go for a 26-year-old stopgap who could still potentially be a franchise quarterback? And another guy to keep an eye on is Kirk Cousins. We might see him on the move as well. But, Michael, with all this quarterback movement here, do you think there's going to be the potential that a lot of teams are just going to pick up somebody else's quarterbacks? Or is this still a, a draft and we're going to see four or five quarterbacks going in the first two rounds? I think we're definitely going to see four. Uh, but ultimately, the biggest thing is, I think you guys are making a lot of good points, and I understand where you're coming from. But at the same time, that same issue of, oh, you know, build this roster, bring in a QB and help that out, that's on the GM because you can build a roster while still simultaneously bringing in a rookie in the first round at the QB position. That's what we saw with Josh Allen. The Bills roster, at least offensively, was not good whenever Josh Allen first stepped in. And Josh Allen was one of the rawest prospects out there. And what they did was they simplified the offense, they played to his strengths, and then eventually over time they built up this roster and they made a very good team. Now, you could argue that the Bills' offense is one of the best offensive like, teams in the NFL. And, I mean, obviously they're not going to be number one, but they're up there as one of the better teams. So you have to have a proper front office to really address this. And the biggest thing that we've seen – mishandling all these QBs is they don't get the support that's needed. Whether these coaches just automatically say, oh, they're a rookie QB, let's have them throw a little dink and dunks all game, and that's it. Or whether we're seeing these QBs not get the appropriate protection that's needed, not getting the weapons that they need, not getting a running back that they can kind of depend on to kind of carry the load because you don't want to have your entire offensive game plan depend on young 22, 23-year-old and also just simplifying this offense. So many coaches are stuck in their way right now of trying to force this old-school offense when we've seen these new offenses kind of take over where guys are schemed open. And no, it's not automatically going to be every play. This guy's wide open. There's going to be some tough throws that guys have to succeed with. But you're seeing a guy like Jalen Hurts, who coming out of college, he had so many issues with anticipation in reading, in reading the defense, and he's succeeding immediately out of the gates. It's not because Jalen Hurts has just ascended into this amazing quarterback. It's because we have seen the Eagles adjust for what his strengths are and try to incorporate that into the game plan. 
if you are bringing in a young QB, stop trying to force him to be what you want your QB to be, and you have to change as a coach, as a play caller, or whatever, and you have to adapt to him. So build your roster through your QB, through your roster and what you have, and that is how you find success. So whether it's a guy like Donald, whether it's a guy like Trubisky, or whether it's a rookie, you have to adjust and adapt based on smart decision-making, and a lot of people just refuse to do that. Yeah, I think you have to build your offense around your quarterback strengths. That's what Harbaugh did with the Ravens. You can't build your offense around what you want to do and plug the quarterback in. It doesn't work. And that's how we're seeing Josh Allen blossom. He's, I think, a, fo- a top five quarterback in the league right now. He's probably going to finish third in the MVP voting. The Bills are probably the biggest threat right now to beat the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl. Although, you know, the Steelers have some things to say about that. Uh, so much to talk about still. So let's try to, you know, get well finished on this point first, which is Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. It's going to be a tremendous fit. I could easily see the Jaguars next season going from worst to first in their division. Uh, no doubt about it. But the question is, who's going to be the head coach? Uh, Brian, do you think it's wise for Jacksonville to be pursuing someone like Urban Meyer? Or do you think they should be going the coordinator route or a past former NFL head coach in order to groom Trevor Lawrence and turn the franchise around here. Yeah. Piggybacking off really what Michael said. I mean, in this case, you know who the quarterback is going to be. And I mean, you're really picking the head coach that you think is going to maximize the potential that Trevor Lawrence has. I mean, that is another team that actually has a ton of holes. If they weren't picking number one overall, they would do well to, or, or if Lawrence wasn't such a clear number one pick, they would do well to honestly trade the pick RG3 style and try to get a million picks in advance and fill all the holes they have on the roster. But in this case, you have a can't-miss franchise quarterback. You go take him. And I think you just take whatever co- – try to get whatever coach you think you get the most out of him. I mean, would it be the best offensive coach on the market? We talk about Eric Bieniemy every single week because he's probably the uh, best schematic offensive mind in football right now. So, I mean – would he get the most out of him? Would it be a guy like Urban Meyer? I don't know. Or Urban Meyer in the NFL comes with its own uh, laundry right. list. It didn't work part. out for Nick Saban, Michael, when he when he was coached for the Dolphins and he left midseason. So who do, you, who do you think is going to be targeted for the Jaguars? And who would you personally like to see as the head coach there with Trevor Lawrence? Oh, I absolutely want to see the enemy. I think you look at this and – there's just so much promise on the Shags roster. I understand there's definitely some holes for sure, but I think right now you look at it with weapons like DJ Chark, Lavisca Chanel, uh, guys like James Robinson in the backfield. You add in that Trevor Lawrence, and then on the defense there's some young playmakers like C.J. Henderson. Uh, there's Miles Jack, Doug Costin, Davon Hamilton have had great years. Josh Allen is arguably one of the best edge rushers. Caleb on Chason still has so much past, uh, potential. If you bring in a guy that both incorporates – Trevor Lawrence, which should be one of the easiest jobs to do if you have any idea what you're doing as a head coach, you should be able to make sure that Trevor Lawrence succeeds at the NFL. But also, if you can get a guy that maximizes his defensive potential, because you have both Caleb on Chase on and Josh Allen, who could be hybrid edge rushers kind of in a way where you're maximizing their pass rush ability, but also letting them work in coverage. And you could have something really special and really hard to read when you're working with this defense. So trying to get a guy that both can maximize this team and also maximize what Trevor Lawrence can become is crucial. I think the is a great fit for the offense, 
But I think the biggest thing for this team, if they want to have immediate success, which I think is very much possible, I think, honestly, the Jags will be in the playoffs next year. I know it's a little crazy to say, but I trust that the team has enough talent to do it. And if you can get a guy like Josh Boyer, who's currently the defensive coordinator in Miami, but he wants to potentially become a play caller, you bring him over to Jacksonville. Not a very far move, obviously, but also you allow him to kind of incorporate this hybrid scheme where you can disguise your defense and really work with all the weapons that you have defensively. And this team could be really dangerous. Yeah, and it's it's going to be the story of the offseason. I think that would be the first job that is going to get filled there uh, just because of the fact that I think that's probably the most enticing job for the most part. Texans have talent. So do the Falcons, but they don't really have the same draft capital there, especially the Texans, whose pick is going to the Dolphins, which is crazy. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think we can agree, he locked up the MVP on Sunday, four touchdowns. He's probably going to end up with like 48 touchdowns on the season. His touchdown to interception ratio is crazy. Patrick Mahomes, he's going to finish in second, but the Chiefs didn't look that great offensively. So we know we know that is one thing to keep an eye on. As far as the other things that we're keeping an eye on in football, now that we have the number one pick is locked in, we have the battle for the one seed between the Packers and the Saints, which is going to be very crucial. I'm pretty certain whoever gets that one seed is going to go to the Super Bowl. And if you look at the last seven Super Bowls, I believe all the last 14 participants all had a first round bye. So it's very rare now that anyone that is going on the road in, in the first week and ends up getting into the playoffs. And then you also have to look at the fact that the AFC is very muddled now. Colts, Browns, Ravens, Titans, Dolphins. One of those teams are not going to get in, and they might all have 11 wins, which is absolutely insane. So that's something to keep to keep an eye on as well. And in the NFC, the NFC East is coming down to week 17 like we all – thought it would, and now that Washington has got rid of Dwayne Haskins, who is easily a top three bust of all time, you got, you got to put him up there, especially at the quarterback position. You, you put him with Jermarcus Russell and Matt Leinhart. I mean, they're terrible. But this guy is an absolute moron. He's too busy going to strip clubs with his masks off, and, and he's and he's not. he doesn't care about the game. He, he, gets, he has to start because Alex Smith is out. He looks absolutely atrocious. No no IQ on the field. He's gone. I don't think we'll ever see this guy back in the league. He wouldn't even be able to play in the XFL in 2022. Sorry for him, but he blew it away. He had the opportunity to be the franchise quarterback. He didn't take it. He didn't want it. So now you have a scenario where Washington lost, Dallas won, Giants lost, Eagles are out of it. So now next week you got Dallas versus the Giants. The winner of that game is still in play until Sunday Night Football where you have Washington taking on the Eagles. The Eagles literally they're going to roll over and play dead here. But it really comes down to is Alex Smith going to be healthy and be able to play? If Alex Smith is able to play in week 17, because we thought he was going to play in week 16 where they would have left the division, then the, I think I think Washington's going to win. They're going to win the division. If not, then I don't see how Washington could without Alex Smith. I think the Eagles would find a way to, to win that game. And then you're left with the Cowboys and the Giants. And as crazy as it sounds, I think the Cowboys have a pretty good shot here to win the, NF- the NFC East just because of the fact that between Dalton, uh, Jones, and whoever the backup is for Alex Smith, Dalton's the best quarterback. The Cowboys still got the best weapons. So we thought the Cowboys were dead and done after week three. 
They got a great shot to win the division here. Interested to hear your guys' takes on how you think the NFC East is going to play out, and then we're going to move on to college football. But it's been the big storyline all season, how bad this division is. We could very well have a six-win team as the division champion, and the Buccaneers are going to go and play that team in the playoffs. Brian, I guess we'll start with you and and your thoughts on how the NFC East is going to play out in Week 17. Yeah, I wish we had a show last week because this take would have been a lot hotter, but it's something that I wanted to say that is sort of, we'll see coming to fruition, but uh, the Cowboys are going to win this division. Um, And I still think Alex Smith, uh, Ron Rivera said he's optimistic that Alex Smith will play, but, and even though Washington's defense is really the strength of its team, you know, that was the unit that put them behind yesterday. After they, the muffed fumble, whatever. It's only 7 nothing, but they could not get off the field, gave up two extra touchdowns, put themselves in a 20 nothing hole. I understand Dwayne Haskins and the offense was terrible, but we know that when you have a weak offense, it's up to the defense to keep you in games, and they were unable to do that. Didn't even give Heineke a chance, and he actually looked pretty good. I just think that when you have a chance to lock things, to lock things up, lock things up, like things up like that, another chance in Week 17 that all the pressure is on you and you're already a marginal team at best. And they already know that this team won during the daytime, the Giants or the Cowboys. And I just think the Cowboys are going to win that game the way things are shaping up now. Uh, I can see a choke coming. I think Doug Peterson, the Eagles would love nothing more after they were eliminated to ruin somebody else's season. You know, you're going to get everything uh, and the kitchen sink from the Eagles. They'll go for two. They'll go for it on fourth down. They'll do anything. And Washington's defense will have to really step up or the Cowboys are going to win that division, I think. Yeah, and the Giants, they're like atrocious offensively. Uh, Daniel Jones, he's not moving. He's getting sacked. And it's just they're trying to force the ball to the pro bowler. Evan Ingram. I don't know how this guy's a pro bowl. I can't block, can't catch. Throwing the triple coverage on him and incomplete passes. Third and 22, let's do a little screen pass to Ingram for a gain of one. That's going to work every time. Jason Garrett, great play call there. And there's nothing you could see from this Giants offense right now that would make you think they have any chance to score any points. Uh, Their defense was rock solid all season. They're just tired out now because they're on the field for more than half the game. They can't get it done. And the offense hasn't looked good since Colt McCoy was the quarterback in Seattle. I, without, run, without the run game of Daniel Jones, there's really nothing this offense can do. People make excuses like, oh, he doesn't have any good wide receivers. But, I mean, I think a lot of teams would right to have Sterling Shepard and, and Golden Tate and Darius Slayton as, as some of their targets. So uh, it's the play calling. You know, we've had this debate all year with Adam Gaze and, and Darnold. And, but it's the same thing with the Giants and Jones. Sure, it's the play calling. It's the talent, but you got to put some on him as well. And I don't know how this guy is going to develop moving forward here. And, you know, the NFC East, you're going to have this Eagles mess next year. They're going to have Wentz back and Hurts. Who knows what they're going to do? Washington's probably going to look to pick up somebody in the draft, and they'll maybe continue with a veteran or at least Alex Smith for the next year. Who knows, maybe Cam Newton back with Ron Rivera. He hasn't looked too good with the Patriots, though. Dallas, you know, they're going to – you know, they're probably bring Dalton back as a backup and they're going to have that contract dispute with Dak Prescott. The Giants are the only team that is going to say we're going into the next season with our quarterback. But, you know, it's it's a big mess there. You had many years of stability there with the NFC's, the quarterback position, not so anymore. Uh, but, but, Michael, how do you see next Sunday playing out for the NFC's? Yeah, I think what we're going to see is the Giants actually get it together and pull it out. So we all seem to be kind of split on this, but – I really do think that the Giants have had enough promise throughout the season to kind of pull it together. 
Cowboys just consistently have kind of been inconsistent. So that's kind of the big issue there for me. It's like one game, I'm like, all right, the Cowboys are finally getting it going. And then the next game, it all falls apart again. So it's hard to really trust them. I do like the Cowboys overall right now with Gallup and C.D. Lamb all definitely developing very well. Amari Cooper, obviously a great receiver. Zeke is a great running back. Tony Pollard's been being a key piece of that. And then Andy Dalton kind of deserves it. But I really do think that uh, the Giants are going to put it together for this last season outing. And then, like Brian said, I think Philly's going to come out and play with nothing to lose. And when you have nothing to lose, you kind of play better sometimes. So I think we'll see the Giants go into the playoffs with a, with a crazy final Sunday. I like it. I think if the Giants get it at 6-10, and 10, they definitely beat the Buccaneers in the first round. But uh, that would be absolutely insane. We'll see. It's going to be everyone's going to be sweating. Everyone's going to be sweating it out next week. But AT and T Stadium is also the host of the Rose Bowl this season, so I think we should potentially talk about that game, Michael. Yeah. So we got some big games coming up. Uh, first off, let's talk about our playoff predictions. Brian, you're going to get us started here. We're going alphabetical order. Alabama, Notre Dame. Take it away. Yeah, look, I mean, with only four teams, there's only so many combinations you can do, right? And you want to find ways to be different and find a way to, you know, pick an upset here and there. But Notre Dame's not beating Alabama. And I can't see Ohio State beating Clemson the way they played against Northwestern and um, the really maybe the regression of Justin Fields and really the way Clemson performed against Notre Dame, they really stepped it up. So Alabama versus Clemson. And I made a joke last week that this is going to be, you know, what the seventh installment of Alabama versus Clemson in the college football playoff, it feels like. But yeah, I mean, Alabama's the best team. Alabama's going to win the championship. I mean, I hate to be so um, you know, boring and not have a hot take, but they should expand this thing to eight teams and maybe I'd have one. <laughs> As you can see, that's his playoff bracket right there. He's got Alabama. Fancy. I like that. <laughs> uh, the next one we got my bracket. I'm going to go with Alabama over Notre Dame as well. You look at what Alabama can do, and it really shuts down what Notre Dame has done all season, and that is slow down the game. I think you look at Ian Book, I think he'll be able to have some success. Notre Dame is going to be able to run because Alabama's run defense this year has struggled a bit, but I think ultimately Alabama is going to run away with this one after a while. It could be ugly. I don't think this is a bad look for Notre Dame. I don't think this discredits all they've done over the year, but I do think that Alabama is going to control this game in full. For the next game, I'm on the same boat as Brian. I got Clemson taking over Ohio State. I do think Ohio State comes in and has a great game. And it keeps it close, surprising many, I'm sure. But you look at what Justin Fields was able to do last year when he was injured in that semifinal game, and he put together a great performance. Obviously, there are a lot of question marks surrounding this kid right now because there's been so many issues in these big games. This is a big time for him to step up, and I think he will do it. But for my championship, I got Clemson taking it. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to go away with one more championship, sign off as a legend of the college football game, and walk away two-time champion. Clemson beats Alabama in what Brian said is a common rematch, and the Trevor Lawrence era ends with confetti falling on his shoulders. Nick, now it's your turn. Well, I would love 
to pick Notre Dame as the winner here. But as you can see on the screen, unfortunately, I have to pick Alabama to win that game. And I don't think it's going to be particularly close. And on the other side of the things, this game is going to be a huge blowout. Justin Fields is going to look so much worse here as a prospect just because of the fact that Trevor Lawrence is going to play so, so well. And I think – I don't know what the lines are right now, Brian, but I think Clemson – is not favored by enough. I think they're going to win by at least 20 points in this game. And and I don't think that's, I don't think that should be surprising anybody. I think the last time these two teams met in the playoff, Clemson blew out Ohio state as well. And that was with the great urban Meyer. So that's where I'm leaning. And then for the championship game in a blowout fashion, I have Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Sweeney. Once again, being your national champions, they're going to, beat Alabama by at least two touchdowns. And once again, Nick Saban's going to come up just short, and he's going to realize he can't do it anymore. He cannot beat that Bo Sweeney because everyone wants to play for the Tigers and Clemson. Clemson bounces back after not winning last year as the other Tigers won LSU. And once again, Alabama, just so close, but they can't win. And that's great. So Clemson, the national champs, Trevor Lawrence goes out, and he's not going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. Heisman Trophy winner is probably going to come from Alabama. But Lawrence gets the win. I think a lot of times when you have multiple finalists for the Heisman Trophy going against each other in the playoff, the runner-up for Heisman usually comes out victorious in the game, a la Vince Young taking on Reggie Bush and Matt Liner and USC in one of the greatest football games of college history. So there you have it. Clemson, the national champions, beating Alabama. Worth noting, for that Friday, the game starts the same time the show usually does. We may have a little scheduling change. Not sure what we're going to do about it. We may come on on Thursday, little final episode of 2020. We may come on an hour earlier. We'll, we'll have to figure it out, but... We'll, we'll keep you guys updated. We probably will not be on at the same time as the college football playoff game. I don't think any of us would be paying attention to their cameras. We'd be paying, we'd be paying attention to the TVs. Yes. But we do have some other great games that are going to be coming up before our show could even take place. And so we're going to talk about that. A bonus seeker college football bowl week preview. First up, we got the Cheez-It Bowl, Oklahoma State versus Miami, Florida. Looking at this game, there is just so much talent throughout it. Oklahoma State obviously has had some inconsistent play this season, but overall had a very strong year, has some great players that, you know, surprisingly will be playing. There are some opt-outs, you know, Chuba Hubbard and multiple others have kind of decided to move on to the NFL draft process. But, Brian, we got a great game in store. Why don't you give us a little preview for it? Yeah, this game is awesome. And from a betting standpoint, it you know could be a lot closer than either of the semifinals. You know, who knows? I mean, Oklahoma State was a three-point favorite. It's worked its way back toward Miami. And right now, Oklahoma State sits at, I think, one-and-a-half-point favorite. So really projected to be a close game. Well, probably one of the most fun games of both season, honestly, and a tough one to call. I am personally sticking with Oklahoma State, even with the reverse line movement. I've kind of been a Big 12 fanboy all year, so, I mean, I guess I'll just stick with that. You know, Derek King's awesome. Uh, they're going to move the ball. 
Uh, but this team did only manage 26 points against the North Carolina team that really has an awful defense. They gave up like 100 points to Wake Forest earlier in the season, but Miami only managed 26. And in the same game, Miami's defense gave up almost 800, 800 yards of offense against North Carolina. Um, and they're going to be missing a few guys on defense. And I'm sure that terrible performance against UNC will motivate the U. But it's worth considering that they're just – not that good and have played a bunch of bad teams. You know, I'm sure they'll score a bit, but will our defense get enough stops? I don't know. If this was Derek King's last game at Miami, I would think maybe that could galvanize them a little bit. But Oklahoma State does enough on both sides of the ball, just a little more consistent. I think they end up winning a close one. Yeah, and in this game, there are some great players to watch. First off, we're going to talk about Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver for Oklahoma State. A surprising opt into this bowl game a lot of people kind of expected with all the lingering issues he had had injury wise that he would decide to just forego this bowl game decide to play going to be huge for him going against some very talented miami cornerbacks such as al blades jr definitely a great chance to showcase what he can do and obviously we've seen it all year but on the bowl stage there's just more to be added to that impact performance so a great opportunity for tylen wallace on the other side of the team or on the other side of the sideline or even Jordan, the tight end for Miami, you look at what he has done all year, and he maybe has dropped a little bit when it comes to this draft conversation. And I don't think that's a good uh, process for a lot of people because I think Brevin Jordan has proven all year that he's still a very talented tight end, 30 receptions, 480 yards, and five touchdowns. This guy is an absolute stud, and he's very well-rounded as well. No, he's not putting up these highlight plays like Kyle Pitts maybe, but he's still a very good tight end, and you need to keep an eye out for him. And in this game against Oklahoma State where they have some very impressive presences on the edge and linebacker position, I think this is a great opportunity for him to showcase what he can do. And then at the safety spot, both these teams have some great safeties. However, Miami's is the one that isn't opting out. Bubba Bolden is looking like a great player all year he has been huge for this defense put down some great plays 65 total tackles which leads the team which isn't a good thing usually you want a linebacker but he has kind of filled up his tackle sheet because this linebacker core at Miami has struggled so much so look for Bubba Bolden who can both play in the box or drop into coverage to have a great game the safety out of Miami for the next game we got the Cotton Bowl Florida versus Oklahoma 12th all right, December 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, a huge game. Florida feeling like if they would have won that SEC championship, could have gotten in. Oklahoma feels like they've been playing really well, getting hot recently. It's kind of two different teams, the one that has lost two in a row and one that has really kind of picked up their play. Now they're going to clash together. Brian, this is going to be a very interesting matchup. Who do you got in this one? Yeah, another highly anticipated game with a tight spread um, this uh, uh, just today, it has moved a considerable amount. I'm sure the both of us will allude to why exactly, but I've got to go with Oklahoma here. They're about a point and a half favorite at the moment and rising, and that is because Florida has Kyle Trask, but will be without, without Tony, without Pitts, without Grimes, and they'll be down to safety. And Oklahoma, you know, has had some trouble keeping the foot on the gas, as we saw against Iowa State. They built out a big lead in that Big 12 championship and just had to hold on. But they did play extremely well since early October. Its defense hasn't let up more than 21 points in the last four games. And it may have just enough success 
It only needs to have a little bit of success against the Florida off against Florida's offense because their defense is going to give up points. So give me the Sooners in a game where they're about one and a half points favorites right now. And if you do just want some entertainment watching the Cotton Bowl, you could always just go to that 70 and a half total and take the over, root for points on every possession. That would be fun. I do wonder how Florida's offense will adapt with so many new guys out at skill positions. So I think that uh, Oklahoma is the uh, the best bet here. Yeah, and I just want to say first and foremost, I do these graphics the night before. Today is Tony opted out today, so apologies. He's no longer a player to watch. If you're watching on stream, you can see that I had him listed. Thought he was going to play. Happens. But there are some other great players in this game. And one player that I think you need to watch most definitely is Kyle Trask. He has had a great season, but there's been some question marks about his performances so far, you know, with games like LSU. He needs to sign off with one last final performance and really make his mark as a quarterback in this class. We'll go for the next player to watch, and that is Zachary Carter, defensive line out of Florida. He has been a pressure generator all season. He has put together some great plays, five sacks from the season. He is long. He has a great frame. I believe he stands about 6'4", 290 pounds. So definitely a presence on the defensive line. I think he's someone that hasn't gotten the recognition that's deserved, but he could be a great 3-4 defensive end at the next level. And then the next player to watch, Oklahoma's defensive end, Ronnie Perkins. Great presence on that team, and he has really come on strong as the season has come to a close. Really, a lot of expectation for this guy to start out, and he maybe didn't meet it at first. But now Ronnie Perkins, as the season goes on, has put together some great games. 6'3", 247. He could easily return for next year, which is a possibility, and I'm sure one that could easily happen. But I think... Right now, in terms of draft, I think he's coming out. So keep an eye on him, and he should be a great watch. For the next game, Georgia versus Cincinnati in what should be a great matchup. Both teams with a lot left to prove for the season. Playing in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, two very good teams. Cincinnati currently undefeated at 9-0. Georgia, 7-2. This comes to you on New Year's Day. So... You know, you'll watch this game, then you'll come and check with us, and then you'll watch Notre Dame versus Alabama. But, Brian, let's hear your take on this game. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup. Anytime we get a, you know, a really good group of five team against, you know, an SEC team or something like that, um, Georgia's favored by seven and a half points. The total's 49 and a half. I actually feel best about going under that 49 and a half. I think it'll be a pretty – a tightly contested game. Georgia's clearly the more talented team, uh, all things considered. But they're, my thing is this is that classic uh, letdown spot at the end of a season for a team that had much grander expectations than being in the Peach Bowl. Whereas when we look at Cincinnati, the Peach Bowl may as well be the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the Bearcats did barely beat Tulsa as a two touchdown favorite in the championship game last week. So that's somewhat concerning, but kind of like I was saying about, you know, like the Eagles in that game against Washington, you're going to get everything Cincinnati has every weird play, every strange formation. You're going to get everything that Cincinnati has. And I think Georgia might just be going through the motions a little bit. So getting more than a touchdown. I, I would feel pretty comfortable with taking Cincinnati, and I'm also looking at the under in this game. But it should still be 
pretty tightly contested. I think this is going to be a huge game for Desmond Ritter. Uh, it's his time to shine, and uh, you know he's, he's 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 the AAC Player of the Year, and he's going to just continue to to show that he could be a legit draft prospect. Uh, I believe he's a junior, so I would think he's going to come back for his senior season. But Michael, where do you have him right now as far as your your QB rankings, and what would you advise him to do uh, for the next season? Yeah, I think Desmond Ritter has promise and he has upside, but I think he's someone that should probably return and try to develop his game a little bit further. Uh, Right now, I think he has some great plays, great mobility, but there are still some issues in terms of just overall reading defenses and trying to, you know, kind of refine some of his inconsistent issues right now. Uh, But he's definitely got some promise, and if he does come out, I think he could be a late day two, early day three type pick that could potentially find himself in a good spot that would let him develop and maybe take over in time. But for some players that I do expect to come out, my Jay Sanders is an edge rusher out of Cincinnati that I think is one of the more underappreciated edge rushers in college football. He has had a great season up to this point. He has really produced well, seven sacks, five pass deflections at 6'5", 258 pounds. He is a beast, and I really think that working against a strong Georgia offensive line would be a perfect opportunity for him to really showcase just what he can do. A huge consideration with draft stock in mind is the opt-in of Aziz Ojulari, who should be a player to watch in this game as well. 6'3", 240 pounds. He has been something of a you know, 3-4 edge rusher at the NFL but right now, this season, he has really surprised people, and so many people have fallen in love with his game, and there's good reason for it. He's young, he's nimble, he has great bend, and he's produced. And that's really all you can ask for out of these young edge rushers, and he's done it so well and so consistently. Look for Ojulari to have another big game, and I believe he will declare for the NFL. But he could also come back next year and be considered a top edge rusher heading into that class. Probably not number one, but he be up there in that in that top four group most likely for the next player to watch we got Richard LeCount the safety who has struggled with some injuries all year not really due to play but just due to circumstances off the field that you know great to see for him but he has been great all year there's been some issues with his run stopping and tackling in open space so this is a great opportunity going against Dokes and Ritter and all the weapons on Cincinnati this is really his chance to kind of make plays and have his final send off kind of on his own terms. Whereas, you know, prior he, he had to step off due to injuries. Should be a great game. And we look forward to it here on destination draft day. We can't wait to talk about these games after the fact, when we get to see what all has happened, we'll be talking so much draft, so much football. And I think one of the big things is the NFL coming up with this weekend. That should be huge. But right now, let's talk about Bills versus Patriots tonight and yeah. what we expect from this match. I don't know why Stidham's not starting. Maybe Bill will change his mind. But it makes no sense for me to play Cam Newton. Let Stidham play, see what he can do. Uh, that's another one of the big storylines of the offseason. What are the Patriots going to do at the quarterback position? You've mentioned Michael. They try to get Andrew Luck, which I think is a perfect fit. 
Garoppolo looks like his days are numbered in San Francisco. So maybe he ends up back in New England, which I think they'll be happy with. You got Brissett. He probably wants out of Indianapolis. He wants to start another option. And then I think a guy like Wilson would be a perfect draft pick for the Patriots, assuming he's he's going to be on the board. And depending on who your, your scouts are, some people might have him as the QB2. Others might have him as the QB4. So Patriots are picking in the top 15 for the first time in a long time. So they should be able to get a quarterback if they want to do that there. Bills, though, they're going to come out. They're going to win this game. And they're going to just, you know, prove once again in the national spotlight that they are a force to be reckoned with. And we'll give our Super Bowl predictions, uh, you know, next week once we know who's in the playoffs on the show. But I think the Bills, people think it's crazy, but they have a legit chance to definitely get to the AFC Championship game. But they have a chance to also get to the Super Bowl this year as well. That's that's my opinion. Brian, what do you think about this Bills team and the Patriots quarterback situation? Yeah, the Bills are awesome, you know, and they're trending so far up. Uh, the people love them. Uh, I look at everything from a betting standpoint and that uh, – you know, it's one of those games tonight where 90% of the public is betting on the Bills and giving away the seven points. And it's, um, you know, I think that it's easy to see why, uh, but they are still motivated. I think that's the main thing at this point of the season. Are these teams still motivated? They totally are. And, you know, Nick, to what you said, if they want to get to the AFC Championship, they need all roads until you go to Arrowhead to go through Buffalo. Uh, they don't want to end up going to Pittsburgh or to another place, whether there's fans or not fans or any of that. And Buffalo actually is petitioning to their lobbying to have some fans allowed at their playoff games, which would make a difference. But, um, you know, nobody – you want people – kind of like the Lambeau thing with the Packers. You right. want teams coming to play in your uh, frigid environment where you feel nice and cozy. And um, th- so that's why I think they'll come out ready to go tonight. In terms of the Packers cor- uh, Patriots quarterback situation, yeah, it makes no sense to play Cam Newton anymore. We know what he is at this point. Uh, it would be, it'd be surprise of the century. It'd be a bigger surprise for the Patriots to bring back Cam. It would be to see the Jaguars just pass on Trevor Lawrence and like, you know, take like a D end or something like that when they already have two, but um, yeah, I'd be, I, I it, they're not going to bring him back. It makes no sense to me. Uh, maybe Stidham will come in in the middle of the game. It depends on how things go. But, you know, for the first time, you know, we're getting to week 17, and this isn't about the Patriots. And I know that that's weird, Michael, you know, for all of us, really. And, that, you know, if you saw ESPN's highlight package for this week's game, the, the Patriots weren't featured in it. It was about um, – it was a montage of 17 different videos of the Bills. Right. You know, so it, it, music, it says music curated by DJ Cal. That was the yeah. promo. <laughs> so it's just like all about the bills at this point. So, I mean, yeah, they are a team that if you're making a short list, the teams that can contend with the chiefs, uh, the bills have to be near the top of it. Uh, I still think they have a terrible taste in their mouth from blowing that playoff game last year that they should have won in Houston. I think there's a chip on their shoulder. Josh Allen's pretty much the man. Uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't go win by 10 plus tonight, Michael. Yeah. And I think that we'll see a, Tough game, but I eventually expect the Bills to kind of pull away with it where they kind of get the separation and create that distance between them. The overall aspect of this game, I think, right now is going to be this is Cam Newton's chance to kind of showcase what he can do for other teams. Like Nick mentioned, maybe Washington. He has said he doesn't want to go out like this, so I assume, like you said, he's not going to be back in New England, but 
we could very easily see him get another shot somewhere else. This wasn't the best supporting cast. I understand that. Cam had some good moments. He started out the season looking really good. Two weeks in, people were saying, oh, no, the Patriots just did it again. So there's still something there, and it's worth at least kicking the tires on. I think he'll get more than the $1 million that the Patriots gave him. I think he'll get a chance, and whether he's just a backup that can run very well and make some plays in the passing game or whether he's a full-time starter that can be your QB for one or two years, we'll see. But I do expect that this is more of a thanks for coming in. Here's your kind of big chance to showcase yourself more so than like a let's see what we have in Sinem because I feel like even though it's in limited time, we've kind of already seen what we have in Sinem as well. Overall, though, that's all we have for you today on Destination Draft Day. Nick Durst, Michael Rockman, Brian Salsa, we have so much to talk about. And going forward, we are just going to ramp it up with playoffs coming, draft offseason. That's when we hit our prime. So be ready for a huge energy of great episodes. And, you know, it's a long road, but we'll get you through it. Pro football, college football, NFL draft coverage. We got you here. Destination draft day. Take care. Have a good one, everyone. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.